Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to another episode of our Best Kept Secret podcast, where I'm happy to welcome Chris Austin, the CEO of Camo Marketing. Now, Chris is a fractional CMO focused on small and lower mid-market clients. That'd be clients under $25 million in revenue across a broad spectrum of businesses. In a fractional CMO, think of them as a part-time chief marketing officer. So it's great for companies that need a real true professional executive, but don't necessarily need or can afford to pay full-time. And Chris is based in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, Chris, in our discussions that I really learned a lot about is you've such broad experience dealing with so many small and lower mid-market clients. And you have some pretty strong points of view of some things that they aren't quite getting right. And uh, what, what's for you a big thing on the list that people really need to change how they're thinking about? Well, the biggest opportunity out there is to not only to think like a media company, but actually become a media company. And it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a SaaS developer or the local dry cleaners. There's an opportunity there to be a a media company and really pull uh, users or customers in the door with uh, with great content. So tell me a little bit more about what you mean when you say a media company. I mean, obviously, I'm not turning into a TV production company, a TikTok influencer. So how does your typical small business out there think like a media company? You may, and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how many uh, businesses under 25 million they're looking at that. Uh, they're looking at building out a, a TV production team or video production team as a way to get over 25 million. So. Um, but there's a lot of different way, things that that can mean and a lot of different things that, that you can do. Um, in its simplest form, it, it's two things. One is great content. Like you, you, you need to produce great content. And I would define great ton- content as, as material that people want to seek out, that they're looking for, and that also does well with Google. You, you have two audiences for any piece of content, and that's a Google bot and your customer. So that's critical. And then the second piece, uh, it's the distribution part. You can make great content all day long if you don't have a distribution plan other than posting it to a blog or putting it on, a, on YouTube. You're probably not going to get too many views or, or reads of that content. So uh, great content and, and uh Thoughtful distribution are are the uh, the key points there. So let me just ask you a question on on the content. I think we're all a little bit spoiled by entertainment. Yes, and 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 I referenced TikTok earlier, 
And certainly I mostly watch TikTok videos that are funny and that are humorous. And uh, I get my serious news elsewhere. But putting distribution aside, you're not suggesting that we've got to do crazy stunts and become latest comedians. So where do you get that source of content that really your target market, which is your audience, you got to focus on, where do you get, where's the source of that content? Where's the inspiration? Um, well, the inspiration should come from the customers. And one of the things I do is immediately when I, I get a new client or I come onto a new project uh, is go out and talk to customers. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, but you're, you'd be shocked at how few people um, C-level, mid-level are actually talking to customers. It's almost like they're insulated from them. Customers will tell you what they want to know. Uh, what they what they need to do their job better, um, if it's B two B, and there's there's an easy way to do it, and it's have a conversation with them. And so that's the the number one thing that that I always recommend, um, or go out and do immediately. Uh, the other thing um, for creating content it doesn't have to be a blog. It certainly doesn't have to be a TikTok video. It can be any of those things, though. Um, it, it really depends on, on your audience. Is it a, is it a younger male demo? Well, then you probably should be doing video. Is it a, is it a scientific or engineer type audience? Well, white papers, long form blogs, uh, more technical videos. Those are probably going to be the, the right thing. Um, you're looking to accomplish one, two or, or all of three goals. And that's, uh, the content should educate, entertain, and engage. And in, by engage, I don't mean get a like or, or get, a, um, get a comment, although those things are great and certainly help with algorithms. Engage, I mean to help bring someone into a community. And, and that's really what you're looking to do all the content for. Yes, it's to, it's to bring a customer in um, that maybe hadn't heard of you or to sustain a customer relationship. But more importantly, it's to build a community around your brand. And, and that's, uh, that's hard to do. But once it's done, it's unbelievably effective for, uh, for making sales goals and, uh, and hitting revenue numbers and those kind of things. You know, one of the things, Chris, that I really talk to the uh, Centricity's clients about all the time is from my perspective, if you are an executive and most of our uh, clients, of course, are targeting C-suite decision makers, you have to understand that the volume of information that they're being exposed to is increasing exponentially, but the quality of that information is decreasing exponentially. And that gap goes by this really technical term called noise. And when you're in a noisy environment, you tune it out. I think one of the things, and just building off what you said, that's so important, and at the end of the day, isn't as hard as people think, is understand your clients, understand your target market, be those at the, the clients you have now or the clients that you're now trying to get, if you are uh, trying to change that at all. But then leverage your expertise. There shouldn't be anybody... You know, when it comes to your domain, you need to know more than your clients know, right? And leveraging that expertise, matching to the needs and the interests of your clients really, I think, takes the degree of difficulty that we put in our minds way down 
yeah. and makes it accessible for any small business or lower mid-market business to do. And, and I would suggest if you're, you know, not everyone's a writer. We, we know that. Um, maybe you're a salesman. Salesmen can talk and salesmen are used to drilling through a PowerPoint with a, with a boardroom. There's no reason why that PowerPoint and that sales pitch can't be combined into a video you can record right in PowerPoint. That's zero dollars in production. It's probably a, a, a speech or a presentation that that person's given hundreds of times and, and can be easily recorded, cleaned up and presented as original content and then broken into quotes and stats and infographics and, and things like that. These center pull piece of content that's easy to come by, you have to look at that as um, as kind of the mother of, of smaller pieces of content. And and uh, the the term that I don't like, but I always end up using is, is snackable. Snackable. Yep. I get it. I get it. T- talk a minute or so about distribution. You mentioned the it does no good to have great content if you don't have the right distribution. So how do you think about getting your content out there. So the first the first rule with distribution is consistency, is consistently creating content and, and pushing it out there. The, the second rule is, um, you know, it, it has to be interesting so that I may click on it once. I'm probably not going to click on it a second time if you uh, didn't hit the mark on the first one. Uh, there's so many great platforms. Obviously, B2B, LinkedIn is going to be huge for you. And there's there's a lot of, of, of stuff out there on best practices for LinkedIn. Obviously, um, your own owned assets, so your your blog, your social media profiles, uh, your staff or, or leadership, um, their social media profiles. Um, there's the idea of creating Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups. Um, those are the platforms, but then the next piece of that is, is getting seen on those platforms and, and understanding how the algorithms work. So I know that YouTube wants long form videos. I know that LinkedIn favors uh, high, highly followed people engaging with your content in the first 10 minutes. And these are little things that change constantly and you have to be kind of keep abreast of them. But whatever that platform's goals are, are probably going to be favored in the algorithm. So LinkedIn, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to favor video. So video doesn't perform that well. So I would look at other ways to other other pieces of content to put on video or go OK there to go ahead and use YouTube. Facebook favors video. I would always use native video on Facebook. Um, and then there has to be a. Can I get PR? Can I get PR to do kind of air cover for it and, and push the, push this out there, whatever the, the story or the blog or. A uh, piece of content is. Can I get my employees to share it uh, early on and like it? Um, you know, if I see something as a user, I see something with with three likes versus thirty or three hundred. You know, which of those am I more likely to pay attention to? And the algorithm certainly pays attention to that. So it's just the idea of being thoughtful as opposed to ah, oh, we got something done. Let's get it up on LinkedIn and go on to the next thing. Right? That's I really look at that as the the front half of the of the job. Right. So, Chris, I think you're, you're giving our audience a lot to think about here. So let's say they're sitting there saying, all right, so if I did what you're suggesting and started to think like a media company, put out content on a regular scheduled basis that was of high quality, put it through the right channels, what kind of benefits 
am I going to see to my business? Uh, the to me the the end metric and agencies and I come from that world will measure it in engagement and and click through rates and and uh, return on spend and all those kind of things. Uh, ultimately, it's it's sales, right? If you're not if you're not creating revenue out of content, uh, you, you're not there yet. Um, and that's a really tall challenge, and it's a tall uh, benchmark, but it, it's it's the only one that matters to me. Um, I've I've seen I've seen content turn around, um, not turn around, quickly elevate revenue and and sales um, in lots of different industries and and lots of different places. Any specific example that comes to mind where you could. Yeah, I've got a I've got a luxury retailer that I work with um, that is in an industry that you wouldn't typically think is uh, a content a content uh, like there wouldn't typically be content beyond you know pretty Instagrams and things like that. But we've built out a video production team with uh, we've built out in, internal photography resources, writing resources. Um, and it's really a production studio that we can do any kind of content uh, for social media. And we've seen huge spikes in, in um, the, the typical content and social media metrics. Uh, but we've also seen dramatic spikes since the, um, since the time when I think it was about, well, it was right before the pandemic. So, you know, there's, there's a, and, and retail uh, didn't have the best run all, all through the last 18 months, right? Um, but yet every month of 2020 and every month of 2021 is the best month we've had on record in a, in a 70 year plus business. So if you look at that, the owner had a priority in content and a way to make it happen and put his money where the where his mouth was. And you're seeing 60, 70, 80% jumps in, in sales uh, month to month, year over year. It, it's, it, it, it's surprising to, to even me. And I, I, I preach this gospel. Um, the other great example that I always use, and it's what got me, got me going in this direction years ago, um, 06, 08, um, for a cruise line, we were creating educational content. And we quickly saw a community forming around the educational content. And this was what ships and what markets, what, what restaurants or what ship, what activities you can do in a destination, really basic cruise line kind of stuff for travel agents. And um, once we started telling them how to use Twitter, how to, how to upsell, how to sell to luxury clients, how to best practices for direct mail, the things that they had to do in their business that maybe weren't directly related for the cruise line. Um, you immediately saw double, double digit percentage gains with the travel agents that had engaged with that content. Um, the year over year were staggering. And that's a, that's a business where market share, as you can imagine, is unbelievably hard to come by. And so if you're gaining market share on the individual travel agent level, which at the time was still 80% of all cruise sales, I think it's probably about between 50 and 60 now, you're looking um, 
you're looking at the revenue numbers that you want, right? And and that's the that's the distribution piece as well in a, in a certain way. So I think you've made an incredibly compelling case for how you have to think and how you have to behave. So what would be the steps if I'm that small business owner, right? What are the steps that I need to take to make this happen? Uh, obviously, the, the things that I've talked about, talking to customers, um, looking at your resources, a lot of times there's someone in your organization, and these are not huge organizations, 30, 50, 70 people. There's someone that might have a podcast on the side that knows how to podcast. There's someone that's an amateur photographer. I guarantee in 30 people, there's a writer in there. And they may not have the expertise. They may not be able to, to host the, the podcast, but somebody in your organization is or someone adjacent to your organization can. Um, and so, so that's the, the easy, quickest way. Um, I also like the interview the experts. So the easiest piece of content I can create is I can, I can interview you of whatever your expertise is. I'm recording it. I, Otter is a great app to do that. I think it's five bucks a month or something, you know, really, uh, really economical. And I've got an interview. I spend, a, I spend 30 minutes interviewing with you. I spend another 30 minutes cleaning up that content. I send it to you to read once, make any changes, um, particularly around industry jargon, expertise. In a 90-minute span, I've got a blog post. I can usually take pull quotes out of that, make them pretty for Instagram or, or a LinkedIn image um, because LinkedIn performs better with an image. Um, and I can, I can post two or three pull quotes that lead into a blog. Um, I've got the blog itself. Um, that, that's an interview format. And then I can take single question and answers and I can push them in, in different places. So it's um, a 90 minute span. I can get five pieces of content that I can post to Twitter, LinkedIn and my own blog, any other uh, social media spots that are right for the company or the brand. And uh, it's as easy as that. Now, can that be the only thing you ever do? Yeah, you need to do some other things, but that's a good start. There's also a lot of reporters out there, um, young reporters, journalism school graduates that uh, either don't have a job yet, are freelancing, or could always use some extra money. So dipping into that pool makes it really easy if there's not someone inside of your organization. Right. Well, I love the interview, the excerpt, because that's what I feel I have been doing. It's what sort of, yeah, it's what we're doing right here. It's, uh, uh, you've really put your expertise out there. I think that's great. So... We're going to come back in a sec, and then we're going to focus on learning a little bit more about Chris. Hang in there. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? While Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need, by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com 
to schedule an 18 minute call to learn more. All right, welcome back everybody. Before I move on to uh, learn a little bit more about Chris, there's one thing that I think he wants to share in addition. Chris? Yeah, it's just a fun one. And it's something for a smaller company where there's not as many resources inside, but you've got a lot of expertise. And I've done this in the past and I've seen it it work well, and that's capitalizing on pride. So get all your your executives in a room, all the leaders, um, either assign them a blog, have them create their own blog, whatever, or their video, whatever it happens to be. Um, and put some money on it, which everyone gets the most, uh, gets the most views, gets, uh, gets that hundred dollar bill or whatever, you know, maybe it's a $1 bill, uh, trading spaces style, but you'd be surprised at the, uh, the pride level and then the, uh, desire to share that article across personal social networks and in, in personal communities that they belong to. Um, I found that that pride can be an unbelievably effective uh, motivator. And if that's not enough, a little money on the side doesn't hurt either for a friendly wager. Yeah, healthy competition. Got to love it. All right, Chris, let's find out a little bit about you. Um, Talk about, you know, in in your role as a fractional CMO, working for small businesses, lower mid-market size companies across a range of industries. What are the types of problems, pain points, and issues did you find yourself really focusing on? Well, I, this one's tough for me because it, it feels a little bit like the the magician uh, revealing the secret um, behind a trick. But I've been at agencies or, or was at agencies for the better part of 25 years and I continually got frustrated with, with how they were run on the inside, what my limits were when I was running them. And now that I'm on uh, client side or brand side, the, the number one issue always is, is the agency. And sometimes it's the prior agency and I replace them. And sometimes it's the existing agency and I will augment their services or replace their services in some cases. But um, how to get the most out of an agency is unbelievably difficult. How to get the right agency can, is, is a tough thing to do. Um, and how to make it cost effective is really the the biggest challenge there because agencies are, you know, they're trying to make money like the rest of us and and it's it's unbelievably hard for them to do so uh, with any kind of margin or scale. So it's uh, it's a place where I see myself coming in and and helping with that relationship, helping a a business owner understand how to get the most out of the agency. Um, Other ones right now that I see, and this is, related to me in the marketing department and internal staffing, but staffing is unbelievably hard right now. Um, there's a there's a real disconnect on what's needed for a role and to be successful and what a lot of people are willing to do. Um, and and I, I'll leave it at that, but it's alarming at some of the things that I'm hearing coming out of interviews that um, I would have never, I may have thought, I never would have said, I certainly wouldn't have demanded. <laughs> um, so staffing is a big issue. And then managing so many platforms, so many outlets, so many types of advertising. You know, when I came into the business, it was it was print, radio, TV, maybe events, outdoor. Um, you know, I, I couldn't even begin. You know, you see those charts that are 
all of the social networks out there and all of the, the platforms and ways to advertise and where's places to push content. It's huge opportunity, but it's also very difficult to manage and very difficult to manage a budget around it. Right. It's certainly overwhelming. And I think this is a big reason why, in my view, we're seeing the rise of the fractional executive. Yes. When you're the owner operator and, you know, we all start mom and pop and then we become sort of a bit of a real business. Very quickly, you realize to get to the next level, I need some real seasoned veteran help, but my business isn't quite big enough yet. And, you know, way back, you know, if I go back 20 years, we used to call it no man's land. And you'd say, okay, you got to get through no man's land as quick as you can get to the next level. Hope we don't get killed doing it. Half the people did get killed. Businesses died. Now, people like yourself and in the other major uh, executive areas of a business, you know, we can bring someone like you on, whether, you know, be for a day, a couple of days a week and really tap into not just your expertise in marketing, but you're an executive. You've got a seat at the table. So you talk about all those internal issues. Uh, unless you have that background in marketing, uh, you're really going to struggle to manage that on your own. So yeah, I look at my job as, as simplify. If I can, if I can do that for a business owner, um, kind of distill the information down, both the opportunities that are out there from a marketing and, and brand standpoint, as well as the the data coming back from those activities. If I can make those single screen or single statements, uh, it, it, that person's world is a lot easier. And Chris, you've, I think, anticipated my next question. I'm going to ask it anyway, just in case you want to augment uh, your answer, which is, I don't really spend a lot of time trying to understand what people do because I could talk to a hundred people and they all sound the same to me. I like to instead focus on what makes you great at what you do. Cause I think all of us, and we're looking to bring on help, want to get the absolute best that our budget can afford. So you mentioned one thing, which I think enables you to stand out from the crowd, which is your ability to take massive complexity, simplify it down so that it becomes actionable and constructive for the business. You know, beyond simplification, anything else that you think that you have in your skills and toolkit that really makes you outstanding in what you do? I, I know this is a, it's a soft skill and, and probably underrated, but over 25 years, I kept my mouth shut and listened a lot of times, particularly the the first 15 or 20 years. And, 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 Learn was able to learn a lot and use that experience to my advantage, and that that makes usually what I say have a, a fair bit of validity. Um, and then right now, it's that same skill: listening to customers, listening to CEOs, listening to salespeople. That is an unbelievably underrated information channel. You know what are the what are the objections that you're hearing back? Why are you getting no? Why are why are why are you getting a yes? Like those that's unbelievably valuable information to, to run a business uh, or on, a, on, a, on my level of marketing campaign. Fabulous. Now, I encourage everybody to go on to LinkedIn, uh, type in Chris's name and connect with him. And when you do that, uh, Chris, we're going we're gonna to see your career arc, uh, you know, the typical LinkedIn resume. But what I'm interested for sort of my, my final question with you is what are the things that you've done or decisions you've made in your personal life, professional life that give the reason why not only you've done what you've done, but 
why you're doing what you're doing today. So what were those key milestone events for you? Um, <laughs> it's a moment in time that, uh, that I remember I made the observation at every place I was at. And at some point it, it, it became a necessity and it, it's, it's fear-based, which isn't usually how uh, good decisions are made and, and something that I always want to be uh, aware of. But I was sitting at agencies and from when I was 22 to, to, to now, and I didn't see a lot of people over 40 with their name on the door. And that always concerned me. It seemed like there was an exit that, and not, not the good kind uh, past 40. And I knew that I needed my name on the door somewhere along the way. So I, I found that opportunity and, and uh, went and became a, a part equity partner at an agency. Um, and it's a great shop that, that we grew from nine people to close to 40 and, and uh, I think into the 40s now. And um, that decision to do that helped me kind of round out my tool set so where I'm able to do what I can now. Um, I was a copywriter, a creative director, a strategy lead. I, I ran accounts, which very few people do both of those things, right? Creative and, and uh, the suit side. Um, and I knew a lot and I learned a lot. But until I took an agency from small digital shop to, to full service and really heard the clients versus working with big brands and being a small part of what they were doing, uh, that gave me the, the, the tools and the skill set to, to be a really good at what I do now, I think. So, uh, Chris, you've really educated us. I think you've demonstrated both your expertise and experience. I'm sure we're going to have some people that want to reach out, connect, tap into you. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn, and that's the best place uh, for sure. Um, and it's it's Chris Austin in Austin, Texas. So that's certainly easy to remember. I, I think there's a few of us, but uh, only one uh, camo marketing. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at uh, at real Chris Austin. So that's an, that's an easy one as well. Okay. Well, you know, if you have arrived when you get to put the real in your handle. It might have been aspirational at the time, but uh, <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, we'll put all that in the show notes, make it easy for everybody. But Chris, I want to thank you. You're a fabulous guest learned a lot, wish you much success. And with that, guys, until next time. Thank you, Jay.